right. Um, so uh, before before we get started, I'm gonna pray for for myself uh, speaking. Um, but before we do that, I want to just ask one question. Does anyone know who this guy is? He is over Niagara Falls, right? Is his name Horatio? No. He looks like Horatio. <laughs> no. Um, okay, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about his story today uh, with our sermon. So it's cool that nobody can recognize him because that means it might be the first time you hear his story, which makes me excited. So. We go with me in prayer one more time. Father God, we just pray to thank you for today. And God, I just ask that you would speak your truth that you brought each of us here to hear. Um, as we talk about what true belief is, um, God, it's something that is sometimes a daily struggle for us. Sometimes, you know, we're feeling good and we forget to actually check ourselves on it. And so, God, I just pray that you would come in and, and breathe your spirit of truth uh, into this room for us today and speak using me as your vessel. We pray this in your son's name. All right, so this guy's name is Charles Blondin. He's a French guy. I don't remember what his actual French name is, but his amazing uh, showman name was Charles Blondin. And now Charles Blondin, back way back when, when they drew pictures instead of taking them really well, um, was one of the world's greatest tightrope walkers. And one of his greatest feats is over a three-month period he walked Niagara Falls back and forth a bunch of times. But there was one day that was really, really special, and he was walking back and forth doing a bunch of random things while on a tightrope. And there was a crowd of about 2,500 people on the American side and then about the same on the Canadian side. And you have this guy that's up there walking across Niagara Falls, and he does it first time with his pole and does it all normal. And Everybody cheers and goes nuts and comes back. And then the second time, he takes a wheelbarrow. And instead of using a balancing rod, just wheelbarrows across, comes back. And then he takes an old camera, one of the big standing under the hood type cameras, walks out to the center, sets it up, takes a picture while on a tightrope over Niagara Falls under a cloth, walks to the Canadian side, walks back. Then he does it one more time with a stove and cooks an omelet mid-walk on Niagara Falls. And then the last time, after each time he did this, the, he would ask the crowd, do you believe I can do this? Everyone would cheer. But the last time, he was like, okay, I'm going to walk across one more time. Do you believe I can make it? And everyone was cheering, yes, yes, yes. And he asked, who wants a piggyback ride? Nobody volunteered. <laughs> I read his story. Yeah. <laughs> right. I know I could get a cry. <laughs> right. Yeah. His story is pretty awesome. And so I love I love sharing this story when talking about belief because in today's world we think saying that we believe is just the mere word of I believe in this and there's nothing behind it. But what belief used to mean was an action. Right. And so. We're going to finish his story because uh, there's a, a quote um, that he told the guy that did come up and get a piggyback ride that I think is very in line <coughs> with what Christ says to us when he asks us to believe. So we're gonna, I'm going to cliffhang a little bit on his story, 
You'll get the, the end of it at the end of the sermon. All right, so Charles Bunn. So we're going to talk about believing today. And to start out, we need to get to the root of what belief is. So the Greek word, and Steve, you can correct me on my Greek pronunciation, but when I was looking it up, it was pissed you is that close enough? Yeah, okay. He just says it better than I do, right? And so the dictionary definition of it is one in a religious context, which is how we are using it, is to have conviction or trust in which someone is impelled by inner or higher prerogative, or two, to trust in Jesus or God is able to aid in obtaining or doing something. Right, so if we if we look at this in the context of Charles Blondin, when he asked if anybody believed that he could walk again, and if they wanted a piggyback ride, he was basically asking them, do you trust me enough to get on my back as I walk across Niagara Falls on a little wire? Right, that's what he was asking. And what we see in scripture is we're asked to believe in this same sense. And... The scripture that we're going to use today is, is one of the big popular ones, but before we get to that, I want to ask two questions. One is what do you put your belief in? And two is what is the root of your unbelief? Those are the two main questions that I want us to look at today, and we're going to look at those through the lens of John 3, 11 through 18. All changed. Okay, so if you have a Bible and you want to turn to John chapter 3, we'll go ahead and read this together. So to give a little context while you guys are getting there, so this is, Jesus talking with Nicodemus. Nicodemus came to find Jesus in the middle of the night and asked Jesus some questions. This is Jesus answering said question. So verse 11 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not accept our testimony. If I told you earthly things, you do not believe, and you do not believe. How will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. As Moses lifted up the serpent, serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged, and he who does not believe has been judged already because he has not been, he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. <coughs> so we're going to look at just two sections of, of that uh, passage. And the first one that we're going to start out with is the popular one, and asking the question of what do you believe in? And this is John 3.16, and it's 
a bunch of cause and effects that we see happening uh, amongst just this one verse. And so to start, we see what God believed was in. God, be God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So God believed in his creation that he gave his son to us and gave his son for The second one is we see here that Jesus believed in his Father, and so he gave his life for us. He trusted that what his Father's plan was, was good enough to fully believe and fully follow through with it. And then the last one is if we believe in him, we get eternal life. And so now, the cool thing about this is if we look at God and his belief in us, he gives as the effect. If we look at Jesus, he believed in God's plan and gave his life. What happens if we believe? Good morning. Good morning. says that we get something. And so that's that's interesting because it means that there is very little at risk for us to believe in what God has done, what Jesus has done for us, right? God had something to lose by believing in us. Jesus lost his life because of his belief in God's plan for us. We don't lose anything. We get eternal life. Gentlemen, if you'd like, we're in John chapter 3. Uh, if there are Bibles around your seat, and we're looking at verses 11 through 18. <clears throat> and so the question that I, that I posed was, what is your belief in? And so... I think a, a, a better way to word this question is what do you put your trust in? Right? And so a lot of times in, in life we say that we believe common things. Right? And I think, I think we misuse that term very frequently. Right? Most of the things that I believe in, I don't put my trust 100% in. I say it as just a term of endearment or, or just a figure of speech. But that has made the word believe lose a lot of what it actually means. We've become desensitized to the idea of what real belief is. And so, going back to the story of Charles Blondin, when he asked the people if they believed if he could walk across while cooking an omelet or taking a picture or giving them a piggyback ride, he was asking, do you trust me enough to put your life in my hands? Jesus is saying that if we trust him enough to do so, our reward is eternal life, which is pretty awesome. So, 
why do we not do this? Right? And that seems like a no-brainer. If someone offers me something and I have nothing to risk, but I gain something, why don't why doesn't everybody do this? Well, Nicodemus is a very good picture of unbelief. <clears throat> and so we're gonna look at what the root of his unbelief and maybe even a self-reflection of what the root of our unbelief is. So we're going to focus on verses 11 through 12 at this, where it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen, and you do not accept our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? And so Jesus speaking to Nicodemus, the first thing that he points out is the fact that Nicodemus has unbelief. Right? Before we can face our unbelief, we have to be aware of us having unbelief in some way, shape, or form. Right? If I think that I am perfect or the best at something, I don't have unbelief, therefore I will not listen or be uh, cognizant of that fact, right? And so here, Nicodemus was a, a Pharisee, uh, a, a teacher of the law, and most of them at that point thought they were top-notch, the head honchos. And so Jesus at this point is saying, hey, you don't already believe this stuff that happens on earth. How could you understand heavenly things? And so he's calling Nicodemus out and saying, hey, you have unbelief, and that is where we are currently at. Let's base level this. And then he goes into the fact that Nicodemus has an unwillingness to believe, even though there has been evidence presented. Right? So it says that we speak of what we know and what we testify and what we have seen. And so Jesus and his disciples have told him eyewitness accounts of what has happened. Right? Nowadays, we believe most things that we read in history books just because someone wrote it down on paper. Right? They may not even have been there, but they write a book about something, and we believe it as fact. Right? Here, Jesus is speaking to a man and testifying about what things that have done, and the man still doesn't believe it. And so there's this idea that even when faced with truth and faced with fact, we still fight against it because it doesn't sit with how we how how we think something should be or the way we expected it to go. And so there's there's this time where we fight this unbelief that even though the world is telling us you know, I'm doing something wrong or I'm, I'm not fitting in right or whatnot. I still fight and say that, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm doing everything okay. That's, that's really deeply rooted unbelief. And lastly, and this is, this one I think is the, is the fun one because Nicodemus being a, a well-taught man Jesus is calling out his inability to understand, but how somehow we strive to do it. And so at the end it says, if I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe 
I tell you heavenly things. And this is <clears throat> this is saying, if I explain to you that 2 plus 2 equals 4 and you don't believe it, how can I explain to you that I am the Son of God that has come down to save you and take you back up and restore that relationship with your Father? Right? Believing 2 plus 2 is much easier than believing that. Believing the the finite, the physical, the tangible universe is much easier than the spiritual or the supernatural. And so here Jesus is telling Nicodemus that if you can't even believe this stuff that we've told you, you're not even going to be able to comprehend that other stuff. Before I get into closing with Charles Blondin, I want to share, I, I took a vacation, a uh, mini vacation a couple days ago, and I was challenged by my mentor to just do some, some internal thinking for myself. Um, and what I have come, what I came back with, with, I guess that's with a lot, what I came back with was a root of what my unbelief is. So as many of you know, I, I struggle with the uh, identity, worth, feeling loved, um, and a lot of that. I went through depression a little bit ago, but what I realized is I hate being alone. My first day on vacation was a nightmare. I was stir-crazy. It was me and my pup. I just I couldn't sit still. I wanted to be around people. I just I hated being alone. And then I started reading a book called Rewire Your Heart by David Bowden, and it really pointed out why I hate being alone. It's because I have a desire to be amongst people. I have a desire to love people and to be loved by people. And so for me, when I get alone or when, I, when I'm by myself, my unbelief is that I'm able to be loved or that God loves me because I'm alone. And so what was really cool is, is as I was reading this book and I was looking at you know, mistakes that I make or, or patterns in my life, I started to realize that every single one of them come back to this same issue, my point of unbelief. Because it's that point that is going to keep me from actually believing. It's that point in my life where that unbelief, where Jesus is like, hey, believe <coughs> And you'll be okay. And I'm like, but I'm alone. And that's what keeps me from being able to actually be where God wants me to be. That's what holds me back. And so I want to challenge you. It might have already popped into your head what a root of your unbelief is. I challenge you to think deeper because it's never that easy. Right? It's like when you're sick. You got a cold, you treat a runny nose, right? That's a symptom. It's not the actual issue. Most of the times, the patterns that we find in our, our lives that are continuous are a symptom of where our unbelief lies. And so digging deep is one of those things that we really, really need to do on a regular basis, just as a self-check, as a spiritual diagnosis of And so the cool thing is, is as my, my vacation was, was coming to an end, um, 
I decided to stay one more day because I wanted to be alone and feel okay. I wanted to be able to say that even though I am here alone, I had my puppy which tells, but I wasn't alone. I wanted to believe in the fact that my God, my Father, was right there with me. And it didn't matter if I was there with someone physically or not, but I wanted to be okay. And I wanted to believe that. And uh, mixed results. But, you know, we're a work in progress. <coughs> and so I want to challenge you on what you think your root of unbelief is. So now I'll get to the part that you guys have all been waiting for. The conclusion of the exciting story of Charles Blondin. So, Charles Blondin is, is yelling out to the crowd. Nobody, nobody wants to do it. Right? So finally, Charles Blondin's manager, Harry Coldcore, steps up and says, I'll do it. So Harry climbs on his back, and that's what this is depicting. And they start walking across, and his manager is shaking, and he's really scared, as most people would be. And Blondin is quoted as saying, look up, Harry. You are no longer Colcord, you are Blondin. Until I clear this place, be a part of me, mind, body, and soul. If I sway, sway with me. Do not attempt to do any balancing yourself. If you do, we will both go to our death. Right? So that's a really powerful quote. And what makes it so powerful is that when we think about that with our relationship with Christ, right? Jesus is our bridge across to be with the Father. He is our Charles Walker. And so I'm going to read this one more time, and I'm going to leave the name out. And I want you to close your eyes and just input your name at this point. And this is Jesus speaking to you. Amidst unbelief, amidst the, the scary parts of life, this is how he wishes us to be. Look up. You are no longer you. You are me. Until I clear this place, be a part of me. Mind, body, and soul. If I sway, sway with me. Do not attempt to do any balancing yourself. If you do, we both go to our death. The funny thing about life is we often think that we can change the outcome of our unbelief by ourselves by doing a little bit more in one way or another. And so, in this situation, if, if Blondin's manager felt like they were going to the right and leaned left, 
they would greatly fear the attack. And life with me, with my unbelief and my feeling of loneliness, if I force myself into being with people, sometimes it's not the best group of people. So I think for each of us, we can identify what that moment is and then put our true belief in Christ, our trust in him. Would you pray with me? Father God, we just, we thank you for being who you are. We thank you for being <coughs> our tarot blocker, our tightrope blocker that, that wants to carry us from one side to the other safely. But God, knowing that we are broken and knowing that we, we have unbelief, we sometimes fall and we sometimes screw up. But God, you love us anyways and you continually show that to us. And so God, I just pray that, that we would have eyes to see where our unbelief lies so that we can invite you in to build trust and, and to help develop that space. God, we thank you for your love and the plans that you have laid out before us and the exciting lives that each of us have yet to live. And you are the key to that. So God, I just pray that we would keep our eyes on you and that we would strive to be closer with you every day and fully believe in your power and your goodness. We pray this in your son's name.